0: So I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Pranaba, and Brahmacharya Nagar, uh, excuse me, Sagar, will be giving the talk today. So the reading, I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. To each according to his faith, truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of Saint John chapter 3 we read, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. It is a common experience shared by most people that when a person errs, he experiences a desire to hide that error from his conscience instead of holding it up for purification. Error clutches its misdeeds to itself and resists correction though it is only in the state of purity that we can achieve perfect freedom. It requires an act of will to offer that awareness up to the light and to hold it there until One's inner darkness is completely dissipated. For every state of consciousness has its own attractive power. And the more we allow that attraction to act upon us, the more we attract to ourselves the objective circumstances and experiences natural to it. Our faith is the attractive power of our underlying state of consciousness. Goodness attracts goodness. It takes goodness even to see goodness. Evil attracts evil. And it takes evil even to see evil. That is to, to take special note of its existence. Whatever there is in you of darkness or light, offer it up to the heights In the supreme light alone, we will find salvation. Accept nothing less in yourself as your lasting reality. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the 12th chapter, cling thou to me, clasp me with heart and mind, so shalt thou dwell surely with me on high. But if thy thought droops from such height, If thou beest weak to set body and soul upon me constantly, despair not. Give me lower service. Seek to reach me, worshiping with steadfast will. And if thou canst not worship steadfastly, work for me. Toil in works pleasing to me. For he that laboreth right for love of me shall finally attain but if in this thy faint heart fails, bring me thy failure. Thus through Holy Scripture God has spoken to mankind.
1: Hello everyone it's a joy to be here and to share on this topic to each according to his faith and I see many new faces here so it's a joy to have so many guests uh, come visit us in person and today's talk is simply be a celebration it'll be something light-filled and that's why we had little Kathy went dancing because Uh, I felt like that. The tulips are blooming. Uh, We are all happy we can be together. The Expanding Light is having lunches together as well. And so uh, I just want to have something that celebrates what we do so well here anyway, which is getting closer to the light. That's what this talk is about. I'm not going to talk, talk about the evil part of it today. But as uh, Swamiji says, it's about getting closer to the light, and Ananda is good at it. You know that's what our expertise is on. But here at Ananda, the way we get closer to the light is one particular method. There's many ways to get closer to the light we do so by tuning into the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda who brought us one particular way that we can get to that goal. And uh, I'm going to take us on a journey to where this mission sort of began in 1920 on a ship called, a steamer called the city of Sparta. And as we know, Yogananda was 27 years old at that time and he had had a vision, he was in India, he was happy there and he was a headmaster to little school children and he had a vision where he saw many people in the west especially and he felt that the Lord was calling him to the west and that same afternoon uh, he sort of resigned or handed over his responsibilities as, uh, as the headmaster, as the principal of the school and he said, I'm going to America. And sure enough, very quickly, he got his passport, he got everything that was needed. World War I had just ended and somehow he got a cabin, a first class cabin on the first ship, city of Sparta, that was to leave India for the states. Very hard to do, but somehow that happened. And so he he had been nominated again, very surprisingly, uh, because, you know, he had never done much of public speaking uh, as the, and he was only 27, uh, intern, a, as India's representative, one of India's representatives to the International College of Religious Liberals, and which was taking place in Boston. And so while he was on that ship, city of Sparta, as he was docking at Chelsea Harbour, He wrote a poem a few years later. There's a book called Songs of the Soul. And he wrote a poem where he talked about how he felt as the ship was docking at Chelsea Harbour. See, I studied in BU, Boston University, so I have been there. I have been to those places where Yogananda was. And so I've been to Chelsea Harbour also. What I want to do, we always have a poem from Paramahansa Yogananda as a part of the Sunday service. So I want to read to you that particular poem because probably we'll see today that it applies very deeply to you and me. So this one is called On Coming to the New Old Land, America. Sleeping memories of friends once more to be did greet me sailing over the sea, sensing my coming, the pilgrim land to adore, the distant sleeping shore, lay in the twinkling night, dim through the vanished light, the breeze wafted strong, strange thoughts that my brain did throng, hopes sweet and richly wrought. The raven-winged gloom did perch on the portals of my mind and search, my soul, my strength to awe. Yet crowds with joy, oh, then I saw, of phantom friends, now come to lend their cheer and end my fear. And so, it's very sweet. One of Yogananda's role was to become like us. And so he talks about the raven winged gloom that did perch on the portals of my mind and search my soul, my strength, to awe. You know, he had this big mission to fulfill. He was only 27 and he played that role. We all know self-realized souls are beyond the ability to have gloom, feel fear. In the Samadhi poem, Yogananda says, spotless is my mental sky, below, ahead, and high, above. But still he says, yet, with, yet crowds with joy, oh, then I saw of oh, phantom friends, now come to lend their cheer and end my fear. And this is how his mission began, which was to train as many as came to him to get closer to the light. But the way he began that mission, again has roots on a particular incident that happened on the ship, the city of Sparta. What happened was, somebody on the steamer found out that Yogananda had never spoken in English before. And that story is its own story which we can't talk about so much today. But that Yogananda was the uh, Indian delegate to the International Congress of Religious Liberals. And so they asked him to give a talk. Now if it were an Indian who had found out That there's somebody who's a delegate to a congress of religious liberals, he would have asked questions such as, you know, what's God's age? What's the Om vibration? How many nadis are there in the astral body? All the things, you know, what was past life like? Why do we reincarnate? What's samadhi? What's sabhi kalpa samadhi? And nirvi kalpa samadhi? But fortunately or unfortunately for Paramahansa Yogananda, the person who asked this question was an American, a practical American. And so he didn't ask him to speak about anything related to religion at all. He said, Swami Yogananda, I think I've talked to many other people, all Americans probably, and we have decided we'll all benefit if you give us a talk on the battle of life and how to fight it. You know, so here's a, Person who's a delegate, he's a swami in orange, uh, because in the beginning, everybody in India told him, wear your orange robes. Educate the Americans about our religious robes. And so, Yogananda said, all right, I'll wear my orange robes everywhere. So they knew, you know, he was a swami, whatever that meant. But still, this is the topic he was asked to speak on in 1920, and I think that made Yogananda realize that if I am to talk about the goal of self-realization, God consciousness, I have to gradually get there. I can't start there. We who read Autobiography of a Yogi, every page in that book is drenched with the search for God, self-realization, gurus, and masters, but he only wrote that book in 1946. He passed on in 1952 but he had come to the US in 1920. And so he had to build from the battle of life and how to fight it to the autobiography of a yogi which was published in 1946, all about cosmic consciousness. The original name of that book was supposed to be The Yogi Christs of India. And so when he came to Boston, very soon he started his spiritual campaigns. He started going to different uh, cities and he started doing these talks. Thousands came to his lectures. But I want to read to you, I have here, and you know, if you want it I can send these to you later as you will see, I'm going to read to you some of his newspaper advertisements for the talks he gave when he started. Next step after battle of life and how to fight it. And so let me read to you some of these things. Law of attracting abundance and health consciously. How to develop personal magnetism. Mastering the subconscious by the superconscious. Art of attracting prosperity according to uh, con- superconscious law. Spiritual marriage. How to scientifically attract your ideal life companion. How to analyze people at sight. Using the mental microscope. Developing dynamics of divine and real human love. Everlasting youth. How to work without fatigue. These are different cities that he's talking about. Living several hundred years in advance of your times. (laughs) And there's a few more. The dynamic power of will. Everlasting youth, now that's a big one. Um, The art of overcoming nervousness. How to culture poise. Concentration and life force. The occult way of attaining health, happiness, success. How the teachings of India's great masters can help Americans. How to apply yogic secrets to win success in the busy rush of American life. And my favorite is right here, and I'm going to read to you what it says. It says, learn the great yogic secret that makes meditation the most blissful experience in all the universe. So he's building to there. But the peculiar thing about this ad is the wo- line that I mentioned does not, is not at the start of this ad. It's buried here in small letter. And I'm going to read to you what Yogananda started with. Solve your marriage problems. <laughs> Let Swami Yogananda help you to make marriage the ideal of your dreams. That's what the start says. And then from there, at 8 p.m. on Sunday, October 2nd, in, this is in Minneapolis, somehow he managed to get people to the point where he was going to say, learn the great yogic secret that makes meditation the most blissful experience in all the universe. And the reason I'm reading all this is, this is our way of getting closer to the light. This is the way Yogananda brought, making all compartments, departments, responsibilities in life filled with light. This is not the way of withdrawing away from all responsibilities, but we have to bring that light into each and everything that we do. This is what Ananda is about, as I'll talk about probably just in a minute. But that's why it's so much fun. There's endless opportunity for creativity, for applying these principles as Yogananda did. He wasn't just, it wasn't just whitewash. He really had things to talk about in all those topics that he brought. And as we study, in fact, this is a big scoop, you know, in a couple months, we'll launch this big course called How to Develop Harmonious Relationships with Jyotish and Devi. And these are very important teachings that we'll bring to bear in that aspect of our life. So anyway, the point here is the way Yogananda taught us is we have to bring that light into all our life, different aspects that we have, and we have to become instruments of light. And you know, how many people here, I know many people will think this, especially those who reside here, think of God as our best friend. Maybe I'll see a show of hands. Or our guru as our best friend, many people do. But what Yogananda also brought was, and this is related to how he named Ananda, Uh, the first name for Ananda, one of the first names was friends of God. And it's not enough to think of God as our best friend, we have to act on his behalf as instruments of light. Friends of God, friends of Yogananda, or friends of whatever mode of approaching light that you feel close to, because I know there are many guests here as well. It's by becoming an instrument of that light that we get closer and closer to that light, and the way to apply that light, it's endless. The opportunity for creativity is endless, and that's why I enjoy this path so much. You know, I really have fun with it, as Kathy was having fun in that little song, and when the robin felt, oh, what can I do? She said, Uh, Everyone can do something, it's part of God's plan. And Ananda is a wonderful example of this, of people who try and apply these principles and bring light to everything that needs to be done to keep this community, to keep this ray vibrant. And as we do that, we automatically become light-filled ourselves, you know, uh, the tulips, planting those tulips, making beds here, being at the registration desk, singing, the, uh, singing Swami's music, bringing these principles, because I know many people are online and there are people who live here who have their own jobs, bringing these principles to play, bringing that light to play in your own way, becoming an instrument of it. And this is what Paramahansa Yogananda was asking about In this poem, I said this poem is for you and me because what's he asking for? Sleeping memories of friends once more to be. He's talking about his friends. He was seeing all those people in the vision that he had who'd come and help him. Friends once more to be. Not new friends necessarily. We have been doing this for a long time. We have been born again. Now here's the thing. Many people have heard about Yogananda's vision, where he saw many people. He wasn't just seeing people first that he saw during his uh, lifetime. When he was writing this poem, he wasn't just thinking about the mission in those years until 1952, when he was talking about friends once more to be. And most importantly, now because we, I have this, I'm still locked in ego consciousness, anything i visualize or do has this notion of distance i am here in this temple this row of people is closer to me that row is farther away and then there's the last row and so when i visualize or think about having a vision of many people i think the same way well there's a front row second row third row fourth row and when we think about yogananda's vision we are hypnotized by our way of thinking, and so it's easy to say, well, the front row is Rajarshi and Swami and all those direct disciples. Then the second row is maybe the founding members of Ananda. The third row is those who came in into the 70s and so on and so forth. And those who came in the 2020s, well, maybe Yogananda barely saw them in that <laughs> last row there. But divine vision is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. and you know, that's not how Yogananda saw it. Past, present, future, future, no more for me, as Yogananda says in his poem, Samadhi. And so many of us who have come now are as much needed to keep this work vibrant as those direct disciples were when Yogananda was in the body. Because remember, he's talking about sleeping memories of friends. Once more to be, this is a very old family. We have been coming and practicing these teachings and doing our part. Yogananda didn't ask for perfection. You know, if my guru had asked me to always be the ideal disciple and do things right and think the highest thoughts, I would say, sir, I very much want to do it. But unfortunately, I can't. But what did Yogananda ask for all of us? He said, the raven winged gloom did perch on the portals of my mind and search. My soul, my strength to awe. Yet crowds with joy, oh, then I saw of phantom friends. Now come to lend their cheer and end my fears. I can lend my cheer. Everybody here joyfully does that. This is what Ananda is about. Many people who are still working on their way to perfection, with all their problems, unless there's a few self-realized soul, it's souls here, which there might be. But the most of the people I know are very sincere, very humble, they have their things to work through, it's not always easy being in the community, but there's a decision made, that we'll lend our cheer to our friend, we'll be friends to Yogananda, we'll be friends to that light in whatever way we can one day at a time, and I see that again and again. I saw this in India when I served with disciples there. Living in India on the physical plane is not easy, but I would see people come and lend their cheer, despite the many problems they had. I came here to Ananda village, I saw the same thing. People go through ups and downs, but they still lend their cheer to the extent that they can, to their best friend, Paramansa Yogananda in this case. And I see that now with people from all over the world because I share these teachings with the online ministry from 50, 60 countries, many cities here in the US where their primary connection is. Wherever they are, their hearts are with trying to share this light with souls who come them with opportunities that come to them despite their own challenges this is the path to getting closer to the light somebody who's already always perfect is the light he doesn't need this Sunday service but for you and me who are doing our best that's all Paramahansa Yogananda asks it's a very joyful joyful life and I must say I want to end with this it's very important for us to be that instrument for this light. Now, how many of you have heard the story of Señor Cuaron in Mexico? The story goes, Swami tells this story that when Señor Cuaron came to uh, Yogananda for the first time, Yogananda told him, I lost sight of you for a few incarnations. But now that you are here, this time onwards, I'll never lose sight of you again. And Senor Quoran would often remind Yogananda, sir, remember your promise. And Yogananda would say, never again. I'll never lose sight of you again. And I can't tell you how many times I would think, what a sweet story, what a beautiful story. Until one day, because one of the courses I have to teach is uh, the discipleship course, I said to myself, "But." The one thing everybody's always told me and I tell others now is, the guru never loses sight of the disciple. And here, Yogananda is happily saying, I lost sight of you for a few incarnations. Not just for five minutes or 10 minutes, but for few incarnations. How many people here, let's do a show of hands, I've heard it said, somebody has said to you that the guru never loses sight of the disciple. Am I the only one? Yeah, there we go. And many people online will probably say, yeah, that's what we heard. And then I remember when I, uh, when I started working here at Ananda, because Ananda is primarily a spiritual organ, it's a movement. But it's true on all levels, so it's also a legally incorporated organization, you know, uh, it has to be under California Charter. And so, uh, now Pawani is our uh, HR director, but Sahaja used to be our HR director. She gave me this employee handbook saying you have to study this and you have to sign it and you have to date it, and then you return it to me. We have to do all these things. And what I remember there was was a section called prohibited conduct for employees. And some of those parts there were so funny, I remember falling off my chair laughing. For example, (laughs) here's some of the things listed under prohibited conduct. Recording the work time of another employee. I mean, I don't think anybody at Ananda would do that provoking a fight. Think about it. (laughs) But here are two important things. Sleeping on the job. (laughs) It's a list of prohibited conduct. And second, unreported absence of three consecutive work days. Now, if an ordinary Ananda employee can't be absent for more than three consecutive work days, doesn't it make sense that If there was a guideline book for the gurus, losing sight of your disciple for a few lifetimes would be on the list of prohibited conduct for any guru. (laughs) And of course, again, like I said, Yogananda made himself very human. And what he was actually telling the disciple was not that he was shirking responsibility, but he was saying in your previous lifetimes, you wanted to do your own thing. And I allowed you to. But now you have evolved of your own accord to a point where you'll allow me to help you in each and every lifetime. You'll be with me. And so we have to do our part in tuning into that light. And this is where I want to say again, Ananda, the people I have seen here from long time disciples to new ones, are very, very, very good at doing that. Everybody I meet here is very humble, very authentic, very creative, uh, very, very friendly, supportive, and they are happy to plug in wherever they can. So what I want to do now is close by reading this poem one last time, but let's close our eyes, and let's try to see this 27-year-old Yogananda, whose um, about to dock at the Chelsea Harbour, and this poem that he writes, let's feel that he's seeing all of us, those online, those in India, those in other countries, friends once more to be, all of us as a part, as close to him, as any disciple, and in our own way, lending our cheer. So let's feel when he says, I'll read this poem, that he's addressing it, thinking about each and every one of us who will watch this Sunday service or not. On coming to the new old land, America. Sleeping memories of friends once more to be did greet me sailing over the sea. Sensing my coming, the pilgrim land to adore. The distant sleeping shore lay in the twinkling night dim through the vanished light. The breeze wafted strong, strange thoughts that my brain did throng. Hopes sweet and richly wrought. The raven winged gloom did purge on the portals of my mind and search. My soul, my strength to awe. Yet crowds with joy, oh, then I saw of phantom friends now come to lend their cheer and end my fear, thank you all.